time that we don't dare speak. There's a wall between us and a river so deep. We keep pretending that there's nothing wrong. There's a code of silence and it can't go on.
then also look into the European site that's Alan Watt Sentient Sentinel dot EU. We can get uh, downloads of transcripts in, in the languages of Europe. We are in a time of uh, tremendous change, tremendous change. It's been going on through your parents' lives and now our lives. And the children that are growing up now will get the brunt of the changes. And these changes come with what's called technique. Political technique, technique of control, where everything becomes systematized. Systematized through a network of sciences all working in coordination together. This happens in all countries at the you same know, time. Goes. Everybody knows that the days are loaded. Everybody rolls with their fingers crossed. Everybody knows the war is over. Everybody knows the good guys lost. Everybody knows the fight was fixed. The poor stay poor. The rich get rich. That's how it goes. Everybody knows. Hi folks, Alan Watt back here with Cutting Through the Matrix. And I don't, I don't plan what I'm going to say. I generally just think about it a few minutes before something's been playing on my mind maybe all day long. And just before I came in the house this evening, I looked at the, the geese that were flying south pretty early actually and thinking that some things really don't change and yet underneath them, Everything is changing in the society in which we live. Changing not just so gradually, it's gone at a fair clip now. Yet most people are unaware of the changes because they, being human, they adapt so quickly. We're the most adaptable species on the planet. We adapt to being stopped with police on behalf of mothers against drunk driving, supposedly. And that gets me right back to technique. Technique it's not prefaced with psychological technique or psychotronic technique and all the other prefixes which they can use. It, it means simply the conglomeration of all of the techniques which are used simultaneously on the general public because we've been living in the age of the mass man and mass management for a long time. And that really started and got underway heavily during the industrial era and it hasn't let go. The world wars, the great world wars, were total wars, where total warfare was acceptable because the weaponry was designed to liquidate military targets and civilians at the same time. There was no distinction. So total war became uh, into being as a, a, an output or an outlet of the techniques which were used from the mass man management. Today, we're under mass health care and mass this and mass that total bureaucratic strangleholds, a time that was predicted by those who understood these sciences and had been taught them. It's only the general public who were kept in the dark. They think they're individuals living in the best country in the world, whether it's across the water somewhere or in the U.S. or in Canada. That's all part of the technique you've been indoctrinated into believing because all governments treat us all the same way. They use propaganda. And even during World War II, 
so-called democratic countries found themselves using the same exploitation of emotion by propaganda use to try and drum up support to fight their enemy. This is the Hegelian dialectic, which is an automatic thing as well as a planned thing. When you understand that what you fight against you become, then you understand the process, the law of nature, as they called it in much more ancient times. You can direct it and control it. And we have been controlled for a long, long time. Coming out of the medieval era, we truly did belong to a simplistic society where everything was in its place and everybody was in their place. And that was a common expression even in Britain when I was young was, mind your place. Your class system dictated it to you and you didn't try and rise above it. But that was a common, common thing to hear not so long ago. The whole idea of the feudal system was a hierarchy from the king down, and above the king was the heavens, and a god, and angels, and a hierarchy of angels. And so, as above, so below, you had the same system on earth, from the king down, through his barons and lords and all the rest of it, down to the peasant. That's how it was structured on those premises. Very simplistic, you didn't have to know anything, find out anything that was all given to you, and little stories from the Bible, that's all you would be taught. People were kept in ignorance of other countries at the bottom as well. So much so that when the Spanish um, Armada came into Britain and many of the ships floundered through a storm onto the, the shores of Britain, Frenchmen were actually being hung. But a lot of the Frenchmen, uh, not the Spanish, sorry, but were also monkeys, monkeys that were just the pets of sailors because the Englishmen had been drummed up so much, the peasantry, that they believed the propaganda that these enemy Spaniards looked like monkeys, and they hung the monkeys, the pet monkeys. That's what propaganda can do to the mob. They always target their enemy and dehumanize them. We saw this in World War II, where every Japanese guy had thick glasses and buck teeth. Same idea on every poster. Look up the posters, there's actually websites there, where you can find them, and you'll see how your government can smear any people when they want to target them. This gets me back to technique again. Technique is, a, is something which is discussed in high bureaucratic positions, because all decisions in governments now are to do with the mass man. The politician, too, uh, gives, gives his, uh, his spiels out to the mass man with all his promises, you're going to have utopia tomorrow. All you have to do is vote for him and magically it will appear. And these are the lies that the public have been trained to want to hear. In fact, most of them do want to hear that, that everything's going to be fine in a patriarchal type society where Big Daddy promises to make it better. If you cut your knee, he'll kiss it and it's all better, just like a little child. And, and that's the simplicity and how ridiculous uh, the whole system is in its simplicity. It works for children, and here it is supposedly working for adults. Because we came out of the age of very communal living, of the feudal system, the simplistic age, into an age of every man for himself. The bonds of the old community were torn apart as vast amounts of people moved in to the cities for work. They were thrown off the land, in fact, through acts of parliament throughout Europe. And they didn't have anyone to fall back on. 
and they had to really find out fast for themselves to, to survive. Survival was, was a, a, a tough thing back in those days. The plague carts that used to run the big cities, Manchester and Birmingham, the factory cities that were thrown up, went round every day just to collect the dead who died of malnutrition and overwork and all the rest of the stuff because there were no safety laws in those days and you'd be on your feet 16 hours minimum per day. And that went for men, women and children. That was when Great Britain was at its height with the empire. From that age, we came into a, a short period of individuality. Individualism began to take over, and that in turn created crisis because for the first time, people dared to ask about their institutions, the institutions of government, of religion, that, that was hand in glove with government and had been for centuries. They questioned everything, and many good books were put out during the early 1900s up to the mid-1950s. And then the governments learned the scientific forms of technique, psychological technique primarily, to start getting the people back under their thumb as a mass conglomerate. They studied primitive tribes and found out that tribes will push someone out of their tribe if they don't conform or they show different behavior or simply don't agree with the rest of them on something. People, unfortunately, like everyone else, to become like themselves. The primitive tribe does not tolerate individuality very well. So here we are progressing, supposedly, through a new phase of individuality, and yet the governments themselves, out of necessity, because governments must always go this way, when they're collecting taxes and creating more bureaucratic positions and levels above the people can only treat everyone as a mass and not as individualistic. That's the problem today. We've been, we've been put back into this mass grouping while at the same time we're told we're individuals. This ends up being totalitarian ultimately because it can't go any other way. We find that with the rise of police, that's always the first symptom of totalitarian governments. The police became, becomes to embody the whole fabric of society. They're like the badge of society because they themselves are now studying their own techniques as their tenets of law, the rules. They have committee meetings on what to do next and next and next. And every police chief wants to be promoted above his present position. And when he looks at his last police chief that was there, he'll say, well, this guy did so many right checks per year, let's double it, triple it, or whatever. And so you end up uh, with them all with their little new formulas of how to get more and more work done, sort of make work projects for policemen. And this is augmented on television with uh, various statistics always contradicting each other with rises in crime, and others will tell you that the crime rate is actually dropping. When there was a shooting in Toronto, as a good example, a few years ago, uh, this uh, young, white, blonde girl was getting married. Uh, she was shot in a restaurant. And the media went into, into the panic mode right away, or to panic the public, I should say. And it was overblown, and they did a survey in, in, 
Ontario and Canada, to see people had been affected by this one shooting. And they interviewed, they always showed on the media all the ones who are terrified now to go outside their doors. In a city of millions of people, suddenly they were terrified to go out their doors because the media had, just like psychic driving, repeated this incident over and over and over again till people were becoming neurotic. That's the technique of mass manipulation that goes on in our society. Be back after these messages. Everybody knows that the days are loaded. Everybody rolls with their fingers crossed. Everybody knows the war is over. Everybody knows the good guys lost. Everybody knows the fight was fixed. The poor stay poor. The rich get rich. That's how it goes. Everybody knows. Back here with Cutting Through the Matrix. I'm going through some of the psychology that's used on the masses to really imprint you from a very early age that your country is right, regardless, regardless of what country, in fact, you live in. They all have their national anthems, they have their school songs, they have their, their propaganda. Propaganda. It's an interesting term, propaganda, for pagan, you know, pro pagan. Duh interesting term which is very very old again in itself and we're given this conditioning so that we automatically respond to to these anthem songs and favorite tunes mainly in time of war when your leaders want you to go off and kill someone or or rob someone else always for what appears to be good reason until you dig a little bit deeper it doesn't take much digging usually to find out it's to to do what wars have always done, their economic wars, so that a few will be benefited. Today, we're in, and it's not just a few today, it's corporations. We've been living in the world of corporations internationally for a long, long time. These are corporate wars, and fascism is, in fact, corporate warfare really carried to an extreme. We find that the biggest companies in the U.S. and in Britain and elsewhere funded IG Farben, which funded the whole war machine of Germany for World War II. You had IT&T that made the Focke-Wulf fighter for Germany. You had the GM and Ford in there who got bombed towards the end of the war and they sued the US and Britain for bombing their factories. And in the late 70s, they won their case and the taxpayers of Britain and the US and Canada had to pay up for all the damages. That's business, folks. War is business, you see, and we all pay for it over and over again. This is kept from the public, of course, because we're supposed to think that things happen spontaneously and we'll go off to fight just bad men. And that's what George Orwell was warning us all about, how these techniques are used on us over and over again. He was actually asked in the book 84, Winston was asked, who are we fighting today? 
because they kept changing targets from East Asia and West Asia and signing uh, agreements and treaties with one and fighting the other and then breaking it and reversing it. That's what we've been doing now in this third world war that we're presently in, because remember it started with Gulf War One, in fact. And Gulf War Two, supposedly the, the bad man was based in Afghanistan. So we went off to fight in Afghanistan looking for the man in the cave, the caveman, only to find out later we'd swapped the sites and put them on Iraq instead. And out in an inquiry, George Bush actually said to the inquirer, to, to the actual lawyers, he said, oh, I never said that Saddam Hussein was behind 9-11. He said he was just a bad man and the world's better off without him. That was the excuse, supposedly, to get into Iraq. However, it was much more than just uh, getting in. It was nothing to do with Saddam Hussein. It was to grab the oil and standardize the Middle East because the totalitarian system in, we're in is a global system, has been for a long time, and everyone must be standardized under the one system. Before that, communism was a technique used. It wouldn't have mattered if it was Nazism that won or communism in Europe because both of them use the same techniques to achieve the same goal, and that's the takeover of one country after another, brainwashing the first generation of children who grew up thinking it's all natural, creating the same standardized system throughout Europe. That was the goal of communism. Vietnam, when the American troops went into Vietnam, it was the greatest thing that ever happened for the elitists and the globalists because they could not unite all the warring tribal factions inside Vietnam. And the communist group was a small group, but it was the best organized group. So when the Americans went in, the communists had all the ability to, for propaganda and they became the main party. So the U.S. helped unite Vietnam. That's now a member of, of the United Nations. And it's a democratic country, meaning it, it works. It has the same rules as all the other international companies called countries. That's what wars are for, standardization purposes. And when you can't get people to be cohesive, you get a common enemy that invades them, that pulls them together. And out of it comes a dialectic where they become the same as you. The Spartans found that out a long time ago when they successfully held off the moneyed boys who'd taken over other countries and were intent in bringing Sparta under the same rule. But eventually Sparta became the same as the ones that were fighting when they adopted the same techniques. The Galen process always works that way. You become that which you hate in the long run. Governments always use a facade of legitimacy when they want to attack someone. We find that with Philip IV of France, for instance, when he got uh, teams of monks and clerics to, to go through the laws to give him permission to attack who he wanted to attack and do what he wanted to do. We find the same with Richelieu, who gave the theory of divine rights of kings to justify his king doing what he wanted to do. Back after the following messages. You're listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network. Because you can handle the truth. Everybody knows that the days are loaded. Everybody rolls with them. 
in Czech very old books, I could not believe how much history they'd gotten rid of, including who perpetrated what on whom and why and all the rest of it and who benefited, all removed from the history books to give us this this wonderful view of the past that never existed. It was also interesting that big foundations paid novelists from the 1800s on to write dramatic, wonderful childhood stories, such as Anne of Green Gables, where you had this wonderful upbringing. And when you read those books, you think, I guess everyone was the same. And it was all part of a propaganda exercise to change our view of reality and to make us think that the ogres that ran the system in the 1800s and 1900s were no longer in existence or perhaps they devolved themselves and become better people. That's, that's how it's done. Most of our history is in fact fiction, at least the stuff that you buy on the regular bookstore shelves. At the other side of it, we have the bizarre and the fantastic because the New Age religion, which has been pushed to take over from the old, not by, by a, a, an act of any deity or God, but an act of think tanks at the top. Uh, think tanks employ people like Michael Gorbachev, who said in his own book that they would create a new religion for the New Age. And in the same book, he mentions that he himself, as an atheist, is called Towards a New Civilization. You should read it. And they did, and suddenly all the New Age books flooded the bookstore shelves. And I know people who are Wiccans, and I asked them where they got all their rituals and so on from. And they told me from, from the bookstores, I said, did it ever occur to you that these books that suddenly appeared by the masses, uh, and all the religious, where, where Bibles and so on used to be, um, are maybe getting put there deliberately, they're so cheap as well. And it hadn't occurred to them, of course. They just take, like most folk, they take everything for granted. They don't do much thinking. And sure enough, all these books suddenly have all rituals and so on. They're all recent things and made up, but they don't know that. And like all religions, when you show them the evidence, they don't want to know it either. That's the beauty of religion. It's unverifiable belief, and it can't be proven by anyone. Therefore, it can be argued forever. So nothing, as I say, in, in your culture or society or the age you live in is there by chance. They also knew that at the fringe of all societies, there is a fringe group. Fringe groups can be very useful at times. The radical types, the ones uh, who are left out on the fringes, who can't really fathom things, but can be easily led. And so they gave them a lot of science fiction type books eventually dropping the title of science fiction by using the same formats, and they make the people believe anything. Remember that Lord Bertrand Russell said himself, and he worked for the Tavistock Institute and was responsible for many of the, the formats that are now coming down today in society. He said there's no nonsense so arrant that it cannot be made. The creed, that means the belief of the vast majority by adequate government action. In other words, they can make the public believe anything eventually with enough propaganda, enough sources, all seemingly unrelated, saying the same thing. And they take years to build up some of the fallacies that they're, they're pushing today. Years and years go into it, 
coupled with special departments within even the secret services that work for government. We know, for instance, that some of the radical feminist leaders in the United States that started off the New Age as well were funded by the CIA from the beginning and the magazines that they put out. So nothing again is there by chance. You have to question everything in the society because all segments of society are catered to by the think tanks and the think tanks at the top are all connected together. You have specialized divisions and subdivisions for different categories of peoples to make sure everyone gets their dose of indoctrination, belief systems and all the rest of it. We tend to forget that before Christianity the world had been run for thousands of years by paganism. And that worked just as good. And paganism was a mass religion. You, could, you had a choice of picking which deity was your favorite within a, a certain amount, a sort of limited choice given to you. But as long as you sacrificed to it and gave obedience to it, you got along okay in society. If you didn't believe in it, they'd kill you. They'd stone you to death. Because that's the nature of the mob. And that came into Christianity, unfortunately, the same way. The, the Roman church adopted all of the old paganism that it had been at war with. And uh, gradually over time became the very church embodying it all. That's why it's called universal. It took all the old religions and put them into one. And the son who dies for the father or to save the world was nothing new because Osiris was doing it every year in Egypt for a long, long, long time before. Osiris, the father of the son, Ra, gave his blood, shed his blood at sundown. The sky turned red every day. And he saved it because he loved the world. He did it that way. That's how religion is used very effectively to control vast amounts of people without them ever knowing what's really going on. And when you're taught a religious belief, you'll then bounce all your experiences in life back to that religion for verification, which will try, and you'll try and fit it into a pigeonhole of your religion. And it must fit one way or another, or you simply, it's like putting something that's too big in a box, you've got to stamp it in to make it fit. And that's how it sounds so ludicrous to outsiders who are not believers in that same religion. And that's also why religion, you'll notice, is written in the dialectic. Because for every statement, there's an opposing statement, and that's why they fight amongst each other so much. Every single statement has an opposing statement contained within, by design. Because underneath it all, in the esoteric, is simply the two natures of man at war, all done through the ages. The one who can control himself the idealized man, which really has never existed, or the base man, who simply grabs and takes what he wants and envies, etc. That's what the dialectic is within man himself. And that's why you have the opposing statements in all holy books. You go back to the Buddha, same idea. The Buddha came along. Supposedly, we're told, in a way, there's no verification he actually existed. And... Um, and said, this works for me, why don't you try it? But he wouldn't go in to metaphysics 
the, the later disciples mentioned that they weren't happy because he wouldn't touch metaphysics. And he came to actually break the bondage of the belief in reincarnation. This eternal circular hell, as he called it, had to be broken because the people were under the slavery of the Brahmins, where they, they had no choice. They believed in predestination. They'd been taught to believe in it. This was your place, working in this field your whole life, and you couldn't do anything about it except it once again. If you break it, you break the karma, and you come back as some lower animal. However, once he was dead 200 years later, just like Constantine did for the Christians, they had a meeting with all the new schisms of Buddhism, and they set down the tenets for Buddhism, the law for Buddhism. And they brought back into it all the old Hinduistic beliefs that the founder tried to break. And that, again, is the nature of man. But Christianity, for the first time, there was a hope of individual salvation. There was a hope that the individual, for the first time, could go by his conscience against the government if it conflicted with what he thought his deity wanted. That had never happened before in paganism. And yet, the base man always conforms in a group to each other, and then they go after the most, the most, the religion with the most laws. And so they adopted primarily the Old Testament, because most folk in religion simply want laws and rules set out for them. They don't want to do much thinking. So Christianity pretty well died fairly, fairly early on as far as a revolutionary force, and that's what it initially was. You'd never know that, uh, listening to the conservative Americans of today. I get calls from people in Europe who haven't had the same indoctrinations in religion or tradition that the U.S. has had, and they'll mention some of the shows I'm on and how the people seem so religious, and, and it becomes confusing. And I tell them that... You can only go by what you can verify for yourself. Anything else is belief in religion, regardless of the religion that it happens to be, is unverifiable. When it's a mass religion where people go together and do all the same rituals together and everything is together, then it's a social religion. People like social social units. They like everything to be the same as themselves, dress the same, say the same things have the same uh, parrot phrases that they come out with. It makes them feel safe and secure to have others the same as themselves. That's primarily the, the function of religion. But yet people who, are, who have no idea and haven't read the histories of their own religion are easily manipulated by the psychopaths in power today. We find religious terminology being used to motivate people like a conditioned response, which it is, in fact. When they, they talk about evil empires, and Ronald Reagan took over, and he called uh, different countries the evil empire. The Soviet Union was the evil empire. Uh, Colonel Gaddafi, for a while, was the evil empire, the embodiment of the devil. That was to get all those into in Christianity in America to back him. And it, and it happened very well. It worked very well. They thought he was a great guy for using these terms and invoking God on the enemies. And that's what it really is. It's invoking your deity, very primitive thing, to have to cause wrath on your enemies and to back you up for what you intend to do to them. 
So religion has many, many functions. And what we have today, getting back to technique, are scientists who understand all of this very, very well. And Aldo Huxley, in many of his talks to the Ivy League universities, used the term often, technique. He was talking about psychological and behavioral control of mass groups or whole nations, and eventually a world, in fact. That was what the whole Tavistock idea was about, to initially use propaganda to persuade, and then use other techniques to reinforce that on top of it, until you had whole nations who responded automatically to catchphrases and buzzwords, just like the Christians had done for centuries when their leaders wanted to go off and pillage abroad. We forget that the Crusaders used the same thing. They had to go and save the land of Jesus. Uh, even though Jesus was long, long gone, they used that as an excuse to go and plunder the Middle East. And plunder they did, because booty was the way that the knights paid themselves. They stole everything. That was called plunder and booty and loot. And it was quite acceptable in those days. But they were under the, the banner of Christianity. The Knights Templars were no different. They were not a good bunch of guys at all. They were a, a secret society that eventually merged with the Ashashin or the Ishmaelis, the guys who were a much older secret society than themselves and were taught all the tricks of the trade from those guys. I'll be back after the following messages. Everybody knows that the days are loaded Everybody rolls with their fingers crossed Everybody knows the war is Hi over. folks Everybody knows Alan, walk back with Cutting Through the Matrix And I think we have Lance from Texas on the line Are you there, Lance? Hello, Lance? Are you there? Nope, no Lance Okay, and um, to continue what I'm saying here, I'm talking about the techniques that are used on us over and over again. Always with the same high-sounding words and in a language that the public can kind of understand or have been conditioned to understand. But always for an ulterior purpose. It's interesting that the Ben Laden family the family were lifted out the day after 9-11 out of the U.S. because they'd been there in New York for a meeting with the Bush Company because they own the largest construction business on the planet to do with underground bunkers for, for wealthy families across the planet. Isn't that amazing that, that one of them is a president who's in a school supposedly when, when 9-11 goes down and that the, the father, the ex-president, and, and the head of the CIA was at a business meeting with the, with the Laden family in New York at the same time. Uh, what's the chances of, of that happening in a population of 7 billion people on the planet? What's the odds of that? Just incredible. And yet that's the sort of stuff we're fed and we munch our chips away and uh, drink the beer and think nothing of it. This is incredible, really, what's, what's going on to get the world into a huge war, a world war, a war to change all of society 
and to get rid of individuality once and for all. The biggest problem they've ever had is the thinking individual, and they plan to treat us all the same, go through the same conveyor belt, go through the same machinery, and all be exactly the same standardized world. That's what they call their utopia. Their utopia is our hell, in fact. A standardized world where you can't make a decision for yourself because the state will be doing it all for you. The Soviet were exactly the same. They would pick children at school, very, very young, and tell them what they were going to be trained in, in their schooling, and that's all they would be taught. They didn't get taught extra subjects that had nothing to do with their particular indoctrination. That was the choice in the Soviet Union. And the West looked upon that greedily because they thought if only we could use that same system here, how fantastic it would be. So they came up with their own versions of it, and, and the, they have them implemented into the educational system. Now, they want efficiency at all costs, and they want a society where no one will exist without serving the state. That's the world they want a world where the infirm, the sick, those who don't come up to their new standards will be simply eliminated eventually. That's the system. And it all comes under what they call the top technique, the technique of control. And we're all going through it now. That's why there's so much confusion. The public are punch-drunk with conflicting information put out deliberately to keep them in this strange sort of mindset where they can't figure things out. Well, that's about it for tonight. From Hamish and myself up here in Ontario, Canada, it's good night to me, your God, or your gods, go with you. <laughs>